This is Radio Orbit, exploring the secrets of everything on KOPN Columbia.
Well, good morning to you. Good day to you, wherever you might be as you're listening to this radio program. This is Mike Hagan, and you're listening to Radio Orbit. Every Monday from 11 p.m. until 2 a.m., we do it up for three hours here. And tonight, no different. It's a happy new year, and uh, I hope it is at least. has been so far for the last 48 hours or so since we've uh, uh, been in 2006. And I hope you all had a uh, had a fun and safe holiday uh, holiday season there. Tonight we're going to celebrate the new year with the Bard himself, Ken Stedman, will be on the phone with us in about 55 minutes. And in an amazing uh, uh, bit of luck, we'll also be joined by the maestro himself, Kenny Hall, one of the most amazing fiddle players on this planet. And uh, a wonderful mandolin player as well. He's done many different projects uh, in traditional traditional music throughout the last 70 years of his career. He's in his mid-80s now, maybe even his upper 80s. I forget exactly. Anyway, Kenny Hall, of course, from the Fresno, California scene and uh, the founder of the Sweets Mill String Band among many other projects. But anyway, uh, my connection to Kenny is through the Sweets Mill String Band, a Fresno-based traditional uh, bluegrass music band. And Kent has played with uh, with uh, with Kenny uh, for many years. In fact, Kenny Hall is the guy who taught Kent Stedman how to play uh, how to play music. Uh, so anyway, Kent and Kenny both going to be on the air with us in just a little while. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Uh, so it'll be a a musical New Year on Radio Orbit. And I hope you stick around because uh, there'll be some real interesting conversation uh, mixed in with the music tonight for sure. Uh, not only is Kenny an absolute uh, savant when it comes to string instruments of any kind, the dulcimer, the fiddle, the guitar, the uh, um, the mandolin, tremendous mandolin player. Uh, he's also had an amazing life story, and uh, hopefully we'll get we'll get him to share some of that with us as uh, <clears throat> as he shows up on the program in just a little while. Okay, all right. So yeah, lots of music tonight. Kenny Hall, Ken Stedman, the Sweets Mill String Band will be featured all night tonight. Next week, uh, a, a quick thank you actually to Robert Carty for doing the music or providing the music for last last week's program, which uh, featured Joseph Chilton Pierce. And I had a real good response to the show last week, and I'm glad uh, the people who were happy to hear the Joe Pierce interview benefited from it and thought that it was uh, uh, that, it, that it was worthwhile. So, all right, so I appreciate uh, everybody that that appreciated the program and Robert Carty for the music. Thanks a whole lot. All right, so tonight, uh, as I said, Kent and Kenny Hall, uh, music, the Sweets Mill String Band. Next week, the music is going to be provided by uh, Columbia's own C3, the uh, Convergence Conspiracy Collective, otherwise known as C3, Mike Robertson, Jeff Wheeler, and some other uh, local and regional guys that uh, and girls that sort of swing in and out around that band, but have made some amazing music over the last few years. And uh, continue to do it. So we'll we'll be uh, featuring the music of C3 all next week, and we're going to do that along with a, a special presentation that I'm going to put together of uh, Terrence McKenna. I haven't played anything from Terrence in a while, and it's the beginning of the year, and I want to do it right. And one of the things we're going to do to start uh, to start off the new uh, pardon me to start off the new year correctly 
Here's uh, to share some of the words and wisdom of Terrence McKenna. So that'll be coming up next week, and we'll also have uh, the music of C3, like I said, okay? All right, uh, what else? Got some great music. I'm really excited about what we've been doing with the music lately. The uh, uh, On the... Well, I, I won't talk exactly about uh, upcoming guests yet, I guess. We'll talk about some of this other mu- music and some people that are going to be on the show in a few minutes, but... Uh, first, let me say thank you to Debbie, uh, Debbie Johnson, back to her old self on Free Range Radio Theater, a couple of uh, programs tonight from the Inner Sanctum and Free Range Radio Theater, always on Mondays at 10 o'clock before my show, and always cool, creative, imaginative stuff uh, from Debbie Johnson. It's a wonderful show, and I'm glad that she does it, and I'm glad that my show gets to follow hers up because they work really well together. So, Debbie, thanks, and I hope you're feeling better. She's got some of the crud that I've had for the last couple of weeks, and I'm actually sort of on the mend, uh, feeling a lot better tonight, although I'm still a little bit nasally and uh, that sort of thing. But actually, I'm feeling a lot better. And uh, glad. It was nasty. My gosh, it's been like three weeks since I've uh, actually felt like I was a human being. So, anyway, glad to feel better, and I hope uh, everybody out there is feeling well, too. All right, one thing about uh, the Joseph Chilton Pierce interview that I want to add. I've had a couple of comments about it through email uh, with regard to technology. And people sort of recognized that my position on technology didn't quite jive with with Joe's. And I didn't really uh, press him on uh, questions about uh, the availability of technology, the Internet, computers, uh, advancing technologies of all sorts um, when we spoke about it toward the end of that interview. And uh, Joe, Joe, Joe's position is basically that, uh, that technology uh, has advanced too quickly uh, for the intelligences that are directing those technologies and that uh, he makes the comparison of uh, the... Uh, uh, the master magician who has the the um, the protege behind him who's learning, and the magician disappears and leaves his student now to take over, and uh, not having the skill of the master, the student cannot uh, cannot manage the uh, the technology, cannot perform the magic trick, and. Uh, my position, of course, which I talk about all the time, is that technology, regardless of whether you like it or not, is uh, is moving forward. And uh, um, the momentum of this thing is just too great to, uh, to stop. So I've always thought that the idea of going back to some sort of... Um, brotherly and sisterly garden uh, in uh, concert and uh, co-operation and symbiosis with nature that those days were sort of behind us. Uh, Not that I'm, you know, pleased about it, but the march of technology is not new. It's something that's been happening since the the sharpening of the first stone, you know, the chipping of the first flint, and the creation of the wheel, etc., etc. And for all of human history, what we call human history, the last 
you know, 10, 12,000 years, this has been the drive. And yeah, there's been, you know, historical catastrophe all along the way because of the uses of the technology. Warfare and all the things that we're facing today are not new, and uh, the technologies have always been utilized in a fashion that was not beneficial uh, to the species as a whole. And Joe makes a lot of, uh, uh, Joseph makes a lot of wonderful points about why that is such. Uh, the idea of uh, bonding at the, at, the, uh, at the infant level and the cultural, uh, cultural issues uh, that combine to create human beings that, uh, that are completely cut off from their true nature. And uh, the only and, and we, we agree on, on pretty much everything. The only difference is that I believe that uh, the technology is not bad in and of itself and that it can be harnessed with the right intelligence and primarily uh, through much of his own work, ironically, through the heart. And... If we move into these new technologies, which we are going to move into regardless, uh, we have to do it in a heart-centered way, uh, a way that involves the intelligence of the heart that Joseph Pierce talks about, um, which simply means appropriate behavior. So intellectual achievement, yeah, the technologies, the, uh, the softwares, the hardware, everything that's being developed, uh, not just on the computer level, but throughout pretty much every area of human endeavor. Uh, if we move into those areas with intelligence and with the heart, then the technology can be a lifeboat. And I don't see any other option. Because I don't see technology stopping in its tracks. The only way I see technology stopping in its tracks is if we really do pull the plug. And, uh, you know, and technology does destroy itself because people decide to start pushing buttons or something like that. Uh, but that's sort of that's the negative side of the, of the image to look at. Uh, and I don't believe that it's been resolved yet. And I don't believe that anyone is in control on this planet. And I think that's good, because when no one's in control, anything can happen. And that means that the opportunity for something good to come out of this uh, chaotic situation that we're in the middle of right now, as a planet, as a planetary uh, culture, and as a planetary species, you know, uh, it is crunch time. And if you don't recognize that, you're not paying attention, maybe. But uh, there are many different trends uh, that if you look at right now and propagate the curve of all of those trends together, you'll find that they're all sort of converging and they're moving towards a situation that is unsustainable. You know, if you look at uh, oil extraction or, or, or resource extraction in general, if you look at the spread of endemic disease, if you look at population, 
If you look at the destabilization of the nation state, if you look at the, uh, there's a breakdown in a coherent model at the center of physics. All of our religious assumptions are in flux. All of our political assumptions are in flux. Uh, technology appears to be moving forward at a rate that is ever increasing. And we have scientists that are driving that. Science now becoming its own religion of sorts. So there's a lot going on, no question about it. Uh, and I don't think that there's any particular... Uh, there are lots of groups that are vying for control. No question about that. And there are control freakers everywhere. But do any of them actually have control? I don't think so. And uh, I think for you and me as individuals, that's a good thing. And we'll see where it goes. But uh, with that said... Thanks to Joseph uh, for the time and for the wonderful words. The guy's brilliant, and his ideas are super important in the midst of what's happening. His ideas of uh, child development and education and childbirth uh, in and of itself. There's wonderful things to say about all that stuff, and I hope you enjoyed the show last week. So, All right, so uh, enough of that. It's New Year's, and we're going to move things on. Upcoming guests, uh, as I said tonight, Kenny Hall, a legendary fiddle and mandolin player from Fresno, California, and uh, he'll be on with his old-time bandmate, Kent Stedman, my good friend from www.cyberspaceorbit.com, and I uh, might as well mention the website and all that stuff now. If you go to uh, the web, hop on there and go to www.mikehagan, H-A-G-A-N, Dot com. You can check out tonight's guest. You'll see Kent, uh, Kent Stedman's link and information about Kent right on the front page there. And you can click over to cyberspaceorbit.com. For those of you who are regular listeners of the program, you know who Kent is. He's uh, a good friend of mine and of the program, and I'm uh, pleased to start the year off with Kent. So we'll have them in uh, just about 40 minutes next week. Uh, we're going to do a special show featuring Terrence McKenna and uh, the music of C3. On the 16th, January 16th, we'll have, backed by sort of popular demand, Jay Widener. Uh, Jay Widener, the author of uh, Monument to the End of Time, who we spoke to last, oh, I don't know, I guess it was probably July or August, something like that. Anyway, Jay will be back on the program in two weeks, and we're going to talk about his new documentary called The Odyssey 2012, and it features Gene Houston and John Major Jenkins, who may be on the program hopefully coming up here in the next uh, few months. I've uh, tried, to get, uh, tried to get in touch with John over the last few days. I haven't heard back yet, but hopefully we'll be able to put something together with John Major Jenkins. Uh, Greg Braden involved in this project with Jay, William Henry, lots of other people. And I'm sure we'll talk about alchemy and maybe a little bit about pop culture and who knows what else. But uh, I'm excited about that. Jay Widener back on the program on the 16th of January. Paradise Newland, uh, otherwise known as Star, she'll be on January 23rd. That's special date, 1, 2, 3. And we will talk about water birth. 
Paradise is involved in a project opening some water birthing centers in Hawaii uh, where they're doing amazing things with dolphins, of course. Uh, uh, Paradise and Dr. Michael Heisen, my friend Dr. Michael Heisen, who I spoke to just uh, a couple weeks ago as well. And so uh, Dr. Heisen and I are going to do another show coming up in the next couple months, and we'll probably have Paradise on with us, hopefully. Uh, but the show on the 23rd will just be a star herself, and um, Michael will be on to talk about the dolphins uh, another time. Now, interestingly, though, the water birthing centers that Paradise is working on will be, uh, in certain cases, dolphin-assisted. And if, you, uh, if you're not familiar with what they are doing with dolphins and, uh, and the birthing of human babies, check it out. Go over to uh, Planet Puna, P-L-A-N-E-T-P-U-N-A, planetpuna.com, and you can check out the work of Dr. Michael Heisen and Paradise Newland and some of the other people there at the Sirius Institute, but they're doing really, really cool stuff uh, with, uh, uh, with water birth. It's an amazing thing, and it's right up the alley of Joseph Chilton Pierce. In fact, uh, Paradise was, was inspired deeply by Joe Pierce, and it's interesting how all of these threads sort of come together. Anyway, uh, Paradise Newland, or Star, doing great work in Hawaii, and we're going to get into the details of that in a couple weeks when she's on the program on the 23rd of January. Uh, Dr. Paul LaViolette on the 30th of January. I just got an email from Paul this morning, and we confirmed that he's going to do the show on the 30th. That'll be a live show with Dr. Paul LaViolette, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, if you've heard, uh, I, did a, I did an interview with Paul about a year ago, and it was a taped interview that I aired on the program, but this will be a live show with him, and he is absolutely outstanding and a guy that deserves a whole lot of credit because he has taken a tremendous shot from the uh, hierarchy and the priesthood of science, and uh, he has held his ground, and uh, he's a brilliant guy, and he's got all the right uh, pedigrees and, uh, and degrees and letters at the end of his name, Ph.D., among others. And he's an astrophysicist and a genius when it comes to systems theory, and he has some remarkable things to talk about. And we'll have uh, Dr. Paul Laviolette on the program on the 30th. And lots of other stuff coming up. You know, uh, Dennis McKenna, I've got a couple things coming up with Dennis and a couple other people that we're going to do combined shows with. So lots of really cool stuff coming up this year on Radio Orbit. Tonight we'll get it going with Kent Stedman and the legendary Kenny Hall. And we'll be playing some music from the Sweets Mill Bluegrass Band, Sweets Mill String Band, uh, for the entirety of the program tonight. So we're going to start that right now. This is uh, from uh, an anthology of music that Kenny Hall and the Sweet Smell String Band put together. This is number five on a track of 25, or on a CD of 25 songs, and it's called Wearing of the Green. The first of many we'll hear tonight. This is Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Enjoy this, the Sweet Smell String Band featuring Kenny Hall.
This is Mike, and you're listening to Radio Orbit. It's 11.30 on Monday, the 2nd of January. And tonight we're going to have Kent Stedman from www.cyberspaceorbit.com. Uh, I should mention the, uh, the email address and the, and the website. I didn't mention it, I don't think, before the break. Maybe I did. Anyway, uh, check out all of this stuff at mikehagan.com, M-I-K-E-H-A-G-A-N, and the email address is Orbit Radio, O-R-B-I-T-R-A-D-I-O, at AOL.com. That's Orbit Radio at AOL.com. And the phone number here in the studio is area code 573-874-5676, 1-800-895-5676 if you're outside of that area code. All right. All right. Uh, one more thing. I want to say thanks uh, to... A gentleman or a woman, I'm not sure exactly. The name is Yvonne, 
And I had to read this, or at least part of it. It's a note that I got in an email this morning. And it says, hey, Mike, just wanted to drop you a line from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, to let you know how much I appreciate Radio Orbit Talk Show and your incredible guests and your perspective. Thank you, and may your family be blessed, etc. So anyway, really cool. That's the, that's the power of the Internet, you know? I mean, that's, for me... Uh, a tremendously fulfilling thing when I get an email from somebody in Ethiopia that's listened to at least one of the programs and uh, has got something out of it, regardless of what it was, you know, and I don't even know what he or she was listening to, but uh, the web gives us this ability now to reach anybody, anywhere. And this is why I believe that... uh, the advancement of this technology will lead to there's some good that can come out of it. I don't think that it's necessarily a uh, a lose-lose situation. And yeah, we're the ones that have to use the technology. There's no question about it. The people, uh, the people who have it at their fingertips. And the way we use it individually and collectively will define how it uh, affects us as a culture you know is it a further di- uh, a further dive into the nightmare a deeper dive into uh, history that has been a nightmare to this point or is it uh, you know liberating and does it lead to a real freedom you know and real uh, humanness and compassion I don't know we're going to find out though and that's the whole deal, in, in my opinion, is that we're going to find out the momentum of this thing, as we were talking about before the break, is uh, is not stoppable. It's, the, it's the, the momentum of human history. It's the momentum of human technology. And now it's just getting much more personal. And the number of options are going to increase more and more. Uh, the only caveat being, you know, that we have to hold it together. You have to hold it together uh, in order to see any of this stuff. So we'll see. But it's an interesting time for sure. Interesting time for sure. So, all right, let's do space weather really fast here. Uh, The first meteor shower of 2006 is sort of underway right now. It'll peak tomorrow and the 4th. This is uh, the quadrantids. The quadranted meteor shower is actually ongoing right now. And uh, for North America, it's not the best timing uh, the, the sort of the uh, the most intense period of the meteor shower in North America will be during a time when when the sun is out, and so that won't be very beneficial for viewing shooting stars. But if you get up in the early morning hours, coming up this morning on January third, uh, after the program uh, is over, the show finishes at two a.m. But if you're up around four or five a.m. You should be able to see maybe 20, 30 meteors an hour if you decide to go out and take a look, if we have clear skies. And tomorrow morning will be the same, uh, that meaning uh, the, the, the morning of the 4th. And, in fact, the morning of the 4th will probably be a little bit more intense than the 3rd here in North America, I think, uh, depending on your location. But, at any rate, it is uh, the first meteor shower of the year, and you can check it out early morning, tomorrow and the following day. Uh, the, the moon shouldn't be too much of an, of an issue. There's sort of a waxing crescent moon right now in uh, in Capricorn. 
but it's the moon is setting in early evening right now, and it's not going to be a factor if you're looking at the meteors in the early morning times, okay? All right, the sun is pretty calm. Uh, although the uh, sun bugs who like to watch it are monitoring sort of a, uh, a group of sprawling filaments, what they call filaments that are bouncing around on the surface of the sun right now. They're very strange, actually, and they're, they're, they're considered to be in these gigantic bands or ribbons of hydrogen gas that is sort of uh, held above the surface of the sun by the magnetic fields that exist there. And uh, there are some pretty interesting images at spaceweather.com if you're interested in going to look at some of this stuff. But the filaments are another one of these sort of mysterious things. I don't think that we've quite got them uh, uh, defined as we, uh, as well as we might. I'm sure that there's uh, a little bit more going on with them. There's not, not a whole lot of uh, research and literature about, uh, about them and what actually is really happening there. The sun itself... Uh, you know, is a mystery, and it uh, the solar system is a mystery. There are so many things uh, within our own little world that are mysterious, and uh, I'm going to talk about some of the bigger news stories of the year from my perspective uh, in a few minutes when we come back, but uh, a lot of it has to do with mystery and the fact that mystery still exists and it's everywhere, even though... Uh, both of the two major forces in our culture, both science and religion, um, try to convince us that there is no mystery left. And uh, yet we're surrounded by it. So, Anyway, okay, that's space weather. Other notes, let's see, a couple of near-Earth asteroids, nothing inside of a couple lunar distances to worry about. Uh, January 4th, that is uh, 36 hours from now, Earth will be at perihelion from the sun. That means that uh, during the Earth's yearly travel around the sun, uh, it's, not a per- it's not a perfectly circular orbit, and there are times when it's closer to the sun and times when it's further away. Perihelion is that time when it is closest to the sun. And so uh, our planet will be as close to the sun as it ever gets uh, during the year on the 4th of January. And that's sort of interesting because uh, for us here in North America, it's winter. And it shows, uh, it, it makes the point that the distance uh, between our planet and the sun is not uh, the primary factor in uh, the temperatures on the surface. It's the fact that we have this angle of incline on our axis. And right now, the northern, uh, northern half of the planet is bent or angled away from the sun, and the angle of incidence of the sun rays is uh, not as direct as it uh, as it is in summertime, and that's why it's colder. Uh, even though right now we're as close to the sun as we ever get. So anyway, that's uh, January 4th. Earth is at perihelion, and that's about all we have for space weather. Okay, all right. I'm going to put on a couple more songs here from the Sweet Smell String Band. And I'm going to get my guests on the telephone. We'll come back, talk about a couple stories in the news. And then we'll pick things up at the top of the hour with Kent Stedman from cyberspaceorbit.com and the legendary Kenny Hall, uh, fiddle and mandolin player, dulcimer, uh, dulcimer player, many different uh, instruments. The guy's absolutely remarkable. And uh, 
been doing it now for some 75 years, I think. So anyway, Kenny Hall, Kent Stedman coming up at the top of the hour. And in the meantime, enjoy some of their music. This is the Sweet Smell String Band. And this is Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit.
Alrighty. Couple there from Kenny Hall and the Sweets Mill String Band. And this is Mike Hagen. You're listening to Radio Orbit. It is about 11.48 on Monday night, the 2nd of January. Happy New Year, 2006. And let's do a couple of quick stories here. And then we'll get things going with Kent and Kenny at the top of the hour in just a few minutes here, about 12 minutes or so, okay? All right. I was sort of snooping around on the web, and I looked for uh, some stories that might be relevant uh, for a New Year program, and I found the NewScientist.com, their top ten news stories of 2005, and it's a pretty remarkable uh, group of stories, but I'll read the number one uh, the number one story uh, from NewScientist.com in 2005, and uh, that number one story is titled 13 Things, 13 Things That Do Not Make Sense, and I'll read you what those 13 things are, and they go into a pretty reasonable amount of detail on each one of these uh, particular 13 things, but they are all uh, confounding uh, science. And some of them we've talked about on the program here over the last uh, over the last year or two. So, anyway, check this out: the placebo effect. That's one that we should talk about some night, actually. Something that gets sort of brushed off as uh, as nothing, but it is nothing less than mind over matter. The placebo effect is real. People heal themselves uh, because they thought that something that was given to them was going to heal them. That's basically what's happening here. So, anyway, the placebo effect, the horizon problem, uh, ultra-energetic cosmic rays, that's something that we'll get into with Dr. Paul LaViolette in a few weeks. Uh, The Belfast homeopathy results, again, similar uh, line of reasoning uh, as the placebo effect. Dark matter, dark energy, the pioneer anomaly, which, of course, Dr. Paul LaViolette solved in 1985 or something ridiculous like that. Anyway, uh, the Kuiper Cliff, the wow signal, that's something that Kent could probably talk to us a lot about. Uh, The not-so-constant constants and cold fusion. What else? Uh, Vikings methane. The fact that there's methane on on Mars, that is, that the Viking methane experiment uh, actually was positive. And they're still trying to determine why. Many people think it's because there's biology there. Uh, tetraneutrons. I don't even know what a tetraneutron is, but apparently it's a uh, something that doesn't make sense. So lots of things that don't make sense. There are uh, lots of stories in the news. I'm reading some stuff about Einstein uh, regarding something that he called spooky action at a distance, actually. And there are people that are coming into conflict with many of the things that Einstein talked about many years ago. Pluto probe could give clues to the origins of life. Here's a story about the planet Pluto. And uh, I won't read much. I'll read this from you, though. This is from the scientist that's running the project. Everything we know for sure about Pluto is on about three three by 5 file cards. We don't even know what we don't know. This leaves a lot of room for discovery. So this is the case with the world. This is the case with uh, the solar system and with the galaxy 
and with the superclusters and with the universe and the multiverse or whatever it is, is this giant uh, play that we're in. But the bottom line is that there's still lots and lots of things that we don't understand, uh, many, many things still to learn, although, uh, as I mentioned you know, so many times, the two primary edifices of this culture being science and religion, who cannot exist without one another, by the way, uh, have tried for many, many years now, about 400 years, I would say, since the advent of sort of Western science that came out of the scholasticism of the Middle Ages with sort of the, uh, the, the legitimate idea to explore and learn about Mother Nature, to learn about nature in order to glorify God. Well, that turned into some, some sort of a demonic pact and a descent into, you know, the underworld where now we are at this tremendous cultural impasse as a planetary society where we have, uh, you know, nuclear weapons stockpiled like cordwood. We have all kinds of uh, technological mechanisms for destroying life no question about it we have that's been one of the sad stories of this march of technology that we've been talking about all night is that it has been uh, as technology has gotten better so have the methods or the efficiencies of the methods used to kill and destroy things uh, but that can change at any moment and all it takes is a shift in attitude, a change of mind. I believe that we have all the tools now to solve most of the problems on this planet. And uh, it's just a matter of implementing correctly and changing our minds. But that's much more difficult than, than just talking about it, obviously. Uh, anyway, lots going on and lots of mystery. Creating the first synthetic life form. Here's one. Work on the world's first human-made species is well underway at a research complex in, Rock in Rockville, Maryland. And scientists in Canada have been quietly conducting experiments to help bring such a creature to life. Robert Holt, head of sequencing for the Genome Science Center at the University of British Columbia, is leading efforts at his Vancouver, uh, Vancouver lab to play a key role in the production of the first synthetic life form, a microbe made from scratch. The project is being spearheaded by the U.S. scientist Craig Venter, who gained fame in, uh, in his former job as head of Solera Genomics, which completed a privately owned map of the human genome in the year 2000. Dr. Venter, 59, has since shifted his focus from determining the chemical sequences that encode life to trying to design and build it. We're going from reading to writing the genetic code, he said in an interview. So crazy stuff happening in uh, in these in these areas again for good or bad I'm not sure it depends on the agenda and the nature of the scientist quite honestly it's hard to say uh, Graham Hancock in the news here in London Graham was on the program just a couple weeks ago here's an interesting story that sort of uh, dovetails with the one that I just read it says uh Scholars, uh, scholars debate whether to limit scientific research. 
This is for, this is a press release from the University of uh, uh, from Arizona State University. ASU's College of Law Center for the Study of Law, Science, and Technology will play host to a conference titled "Forbidding Science: Balancing Freedom, Security, Innovation, and Precaution," January 12th through 13th, in the College of Law's Great Hall, located at the corner of Orange Street and McAllister Avenue on the Tempe campus. Uh, let's see. The conference will explore whether scientific research should be restricted. And if so, how far too far might be? The first day of the conference will provide an overview of the legal and policy questions plus a discussion of the limitations of the right to conduct scientific research. The second day's events will focus on three case studies involving emerging research controversies in the areas of pathogens and toxins, nanotechnology, and cognitive enhancement. So in the meantime, you've got scholars, whatever that means, trying to decide what is legitimate research and what isn't, how far uh, scientists should be allowed to go. Now, the whole thing is just an absolute farce. Uh, nobody knows what the scientists are doing. None of the scientists even know what the other scientists are doing. One of the amazing things that's happened as this technology in all of these different areas has moved forward has been uh, a schism and a specialization has happened that is really, really... Uh, become uh, extreme now. And as new technologies are developed, the thing that has to be developed in order to do it is language. There are brand new languages that are developed around all of these technologies. And uh, so from one science to another, the scientists don't know what's going on. The guys that are at the head of astrophysics don't know what's happening in genetics. And they don't know the language and uh, the scholars at ASU, trust me, they don't know the language either. And uh, the depth of this stuff is just amazing, what's happening right now. So we have, a, we have, at the same time, a couple of things happening, it seems to me. We have this expansion of, uh, of information, knowledge and information that is being discovered and acquired more and more quickly, as we always talk about. These are not linear curves. And at the same time, we have problems. All of our problems seem to be sort of rearing their head at the same time, as we have an outbreak of creativity at the same time. Much of the program tonight, what we'll be talking about with Kent Stedman and Kenny Hall in just a few minutes, as a matter of fact, will be about art and creativity, and imagination. And so, all of these things seem to be coming to a head at the same time. And, I, you know, I don't, I don't uh, pretend to know where it's going. I only know that it's certainly interesting to be in the middle of it as it's happening. And I think that individual people can have an effect on it, and primarily by doing their art. You know, everything else is unclear. Very difficult to see what's happening and to figure out exactly what's happening on this planet right now. I don't think anybody knows what's going on. So when you're not clear, well, I have one solution when you're not clear. Do art. All right, with that, we'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Mike Hagan. You're listening to Radio Orbit. And we'll come back at the uh, to this quick break here with Ken Stedman 
and uh, Kenny Hall. And I'm very excited to have both Kent and Kenny on the uh, on the program tonight. Kent, of course, is a regular guest and been on the show many times in the past. Uh, and Kenny, of course, uh, uh, something that sort of came up just over the last few days, and I couldn't be more pleased to have uh, 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 a man of the likes of Kenny Hall on the air with us as well. So we'll be back with them in just a moment. This is Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit. And uh, stick around. It's going to be a fun night. You're listening to Radio Orbit with Mike Hagan on KOPN 89.5 FM. This is Mike, and you are listening to Radio Orbit, and I'm going to answer a quick question to somebody who called uh, during the break there, and then we'll get to our guests really quickly, and I won't go deeply into this, but the question uh, had to do with uh, uh, expanding on my comment that I made earlier about the fact that science and religion cannot exist without one another, and uh, in a nutshell, and uh, maybe we can talk about this further at another time on the program, but in a nutshell, I believe that they are both uh, what I call salvationist ideas and both science and religion both pretend to have all the answers the scientist through science believes that there is no mystery and the religious institution tells you that they've got it all figured out as well that their God and their story, their mythology, is the correct and only way. And uh, if you strip away the hype, both of these things are the same. And so we can talk about that uh, at another time on the program. And uh, let's uh, switch gears here. And we are going to talk with my good friend, Kent Stedman from CyberspaceOrbit.com. And... Uh, one of my favorite people, and if you're familiar with the program, you know who Kent is. Uh, but we also have tonight, uh, and I couldn't be more pleased uh, to have him, a legendary and amazing, brilliant musician, one of my favorites who I was introduced to uh, by Kent Stedman uh, many years ago, and his name is Kenny Hall. And uh, we're going to go to live to those two right now. Kenny's coming to us from 
Southern California, or actually, I guess, more like Northern California, the Fresno. Fresno, Fresno okay. And uh, Kent from Seattle. So, uh, Kenny Hall and Kent Stedman, hi, both of you. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Kenny. Hi, uh, hello, Kent. How you doing? How was New Year's? Oh, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, as it always is. You went, went out to Catherine? No. No, we didn't go. Uh... We didn't have a ride. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, well, l- listen. Let's uh, let- let's try to try to uh, start things out here by in- by introductions uh, a little bit. Kent, most of the most of the audience knows who you are. We'll give the website out real quick here: www.cyberspaceorbit.com. Uh, some of my audience may be less familiar uh, with Kenny Hall, though. So, uh, Kenny, I'd I'd love it if you would uh, uh, just. Uh, Talk a little bit about who you are and your own story. I know Kent and I were talking off the air, and even he uh, was saying, "Gosh, I'd love to hear uh, Kenny talk a little bit about uh, about his path and his story in the in the old days and how you came to where you are." Because there's some some amazing, amazing stuff over all these years. Well, all right, I'll tell you. Uh, when I was seven years old. I was introduced to nature as. Uh, and I know 90 miles of trail in the Sierras. Of course, I learned that 20 miles of trail in the back of the school where I was raised. Mm-hmm. And uh, so right then, I had another way of life. And uh, so uh, I am in love with two women now. One's my wife, and the other's nature. Mm-hmm. Now, nature, I have another name for her, though. I call her Candy after my sister-in-law. And uh, uh, I go hiking in the Sierras, pull my shirt off, and uh, uh, get all darkened up. And then uh, I'll come back and everybody will say, Oh, you've been out with candy, I said. I sure have. So, now you know a little bit about And, of course, then I have another passion, which is music. I had that ever since I was five years old. And I don't like anything but old-fashioned music. We call it 1850s rock and roll. Hmm. And that's the music of 11 different countries. Norway, Ireland, Scotland, Canada. Sweden. Sweden, yeah. And uh, Mexico, Spain, Portugal, Italy, yeah. Hmm. And that's... Uh, and, America, from music from different states too. Hey Kenny, yeah. where what state were, were you? Did you grow up in? Oh, California. In California, so you so you've been in California the great majority of your life. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. In 1937, uh, when the Oklahoma people came out here, oh everybody didn't like them, then, but I liked them. <laughs> I think part of the reason I liked them is because no one else did. <laughs> I'm gonna like them anyway. I don't care. There's only one thing that I don't like about them, and that is their racism. Because mm. now the Oklahoma Indians ain't that way, really, but it's uh, the whites. Oh, yeah, they don't like black people. Mm. And i never seen in my life, never seen anything. I hear what you see. I hear the echo off of things that you see. That's why I don't run into telephone calls. So, so I can hear it coming. 
so your your sight uh, was uh, lost at birth. Oh yeah. Okay. Maybe you could talk a little bit more about that. You you said uh, that was an, that was an amazing statement that you hear what I see. That's right. I hear what you see. You echo off of walls, posts, trees, and uh, a lot of people that like uh, cowboy stories and stuff like that. I like cowboy stories too. But the main thing I like is to get out in the woods and listen to the birds and crickets. Hmm. And I like the hot weather. I like uh, it about 100 in the daytime and 80 at night. <laughs> and I find that. I, I go like hiking in the woods. I go up about 5,000. It's still 85 in the daytime. And loaf around up there for a while under a shade tree. And then come down to where it's 80 all night long because the heat from the valley comes up and stays there's about a thousand feet, and the crickets buzzing like crazy. And they, like me, they like the hot weather. Mm-hmm. And uh, like uh, mockingbird lingo, I can, I can, uh, I translate it all the time. Like, did you know that a female mockingbird will not have anything to do with a male unless he buys her a chivy with brand new seat covers? <laughs> Is that right? I can prove that. How do you prove it? Well, because the male said to the female, come here, come here, come here. And she said, seat cover, seat cover, seat cover, shivvy, 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 seat cover, seat cover. In other words, she wasn't doing it unless he bought her a shivvy and her seat covers. And I go out there in the woods. Maybe I'm coming back into town. I have to put my T-shirt back on. And anyway, the mockingbirds are saying, pretty, pretty, pretty T-shirt, T-shirt, T-shirt. Dig that T-shirt, <laughs> and they like cheeseburgers too. Oh yeah, and uh, oh, one of the philosophies of mockingbirds is T-shirt, 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 cheeseburger, 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 sugar, sugar, cheese, sugar, sugar, cheese. <laughs> and and uh, they're Democrats too, because when Reagan got elected governor, the first thing one of them said, "Keep governor, keep governor, keep governor." <laughs> Pretty sharp those mockingbirds. I've been hiking with Kitty. Well, I was going to ask what what we need to tell what your connection to Kenny Hall is, Kent. Well, he Kenny was kind enough to let to let some of us in into his circle and teach us all the old timey too. I don't know how he did it because we we're all newcomers and uh, we couldn't tune our guitars all that well. There'd be twelve of us, and he could tell when the guy down the line his third string was flat or something like that. So it must have been trying for Kenny, but he was a great teacher and a maestro and kind of let us sit sit around and take twos with him. Hmm. Later on, went hiking with him. What was that like? He left me in the dust. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't recovered. <laughs> Howdy, Marta. Hello. How you doing? Yeah, we should introduce Marta. We've got Marta on the line as well, and this is uh, Kenny's wife, Marta. Hello, Marta. Hi. Yep, that's me. <laughs> He's in the band, too. She's from Ireland. Yeah. yeah. All right, a good Irish woman. What, uh, M- Marta, what instruments do you play? I play Boran. Mm. And um, so it carries the bass line for the band. Right. And... Um, we also, one of the things that we do out here in Fresno is, is uh, we have a big reenactment of for the Civil War every fall out at uh, Cooney Park. Yeah. And and um, 
when we play out there, uh, one one of the fellows, in fact, uh, from the Confederate Navy, uh, came out and says, "You guys are. I always knew there was a missing link, and you guys are right." <laughs> I says, "What do you mean?" You know, and he says, "Well, because of the Irish influence on on uh, American folk music, mm. and that uh, although there's not a lot as far as Hollywood goes of um, documentation, or for that matter." a lot of, um, you know, photographs, of, but that one time or another, there had to be a drum connection other than with the American Indians. Mm. So that's one of the things that's unique about our string band is the fact that um, that we have a boron in it. Wow. Well, there's something special going on there in, uh, in in Fresno anyway, because for many years I've heard, you know, even before I met Kent, you know, the stories about the music scene in Fresno and about how it was sort of anomalous uh, and it wasn't like anywhere else. And uh, you, you're obviously, Kenny, a huge part of that scene and it grew and developed right along with it. Maybe you could talk a little bit about Fresno and Kent, you too, maybe. Fresno is uh, well, it's my kind of weather. It's hot. <laughs> That's right. When I first came here, there was only 85,000 people here. Now there's 350,000. My gosh. But uh, the unique thing about Fresno, I think, really is the fact that we're landlocked, as we are, you know. Um, those that like the woods, I mean, yes, they're, they're close at hand, but it's still a, a bit of a drive. And um, there's no great rivers anymore in the in the San Joaquin Valley, and there's no great uh, lakes anymore in the San Joaquin. They've all been shifted around, you know, with, with dams and everything. Mm, yeah. But um, um, I think it's it's forced it to be a place where you you, you still make your own fun, <laughs> and and so therefore there's a lot of uh, artists here, a lot of writers, a lot of uh, music. Um, some of us uh, came here because we wanted you like Kenny did. Others of us came here because uh, we kind of got either tricked into it or uh, messed up. <laughs> but, um, like, well, like myself, you know, when I met Kenny, I thought he said he lived in Frisco. <laughs> and he said, and it was actually Fresno, so... <laughs> That's a big mistake. Yeah, hey. very big mistake. <laughs> hey, Kenny. Hey. Do you remember uh, Adeline Avenue, north of McKinley? Oh yeah. Well, uh, that's where I that's where, where I first met. Ken. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit of echo here. So, but that's where I first met you, Kenny. I had a house up there, and I was sitting in the summertime under the air conditioning. <laughs> And I I just bought an old mandolin. I wish it was a round back. I wish I could remember what kind it was. I've been trying all day to remember. It's an old potato back mandolin, and uh, I didn't know what to do with it. It was hanging on the wall, and I heard a knock on the door, and there was Kenny. Standing at the door? Yeah. You, Kenny, those were the days where you were uh, selling stuff door to door. Remember those selling days? Brooms. Or, or records. Or records. One. What was it? Brooms. Brooms. Those are the broomsticks. Well, anyway, I'd heard it. I had never met you till then, but I'd heard of you, and I wondered if that was you. I said, hey, are you Kenny Hong? He said, yep. And I said, oh, well, come on in. <laughs> and uh, I, I pulled this old mandolin off the wall. Kenny tuned it up and started playing. 
and he played a tune, then he played another tune, then we played another tune, <laughs> then we went down to the market and got some refreshments, and it kept going all into the evening and all night, and I'll tell you what, I was amazed. He didn't play one tune over again, and, uh, you know, he can go on like that for maybe a month and a half and never play the same tune over again. And uh, 1,100 pieces of music. Well, you know, I was going to ask. That was my next question because as I've been, you know, learning a little bit about you myself, Kenny, I've read lots of different things. There's a tremendous amount of material, actually, that's been written about Kenny Hall, uh, and lots of it is published out there on the web. Uh, but one of the primary threads that I found running through most of these uh, articles and pieces that have been written about you have been about this the vastness of your repertoire. And many people talk about how hanging out with Kenny Hall is unbelievable because for days on end, he can play and play and play and has this amazing memory bank uh, of fiddle tunes and uh, uh, and old-time music that's just near inexhaustible. How, maybe you could talk a little bit about your repertoire and how you've... How I got it? Yeah, and, 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 how do you, and how do you maintain it? Well... That's easy enough. I, I don't think about it. I remember when I was four years old, I heard my mother telling my dad, Frank, he's got a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, see, my dad taught me how to, how to count in Chinese. Really? So I remembered it a few days later, and my mother, when she said, Frank, he's got a good memory. <laughs> well, now, like the Portuguese music, I learned that from the people themselves. And the Italian music, and the Mexican music, and... Uh, and Spanish music. But <clears throat> the American music, uh, first I got it, well, this fiddle teacher at the school where I was raised mm -hmm. in school, she taught, she bought a book called The Home Circle. She taught me about 20 pieces of music out of it. And so I learned some, some from her. Then, after I uh, got kicked out of school, <laughs> I got kicked out because... I wasn't college material. And he was holding hands with a girl. Yeah, I was holding hands with a girl. Yeah. Oh, you bad but, boy. Uh, they, they could not kick me out for that, really. But uh, that, that was kind of an excuse to think. Mm -hmm. um, and, but anyway, I wasn't college material, so they kicked me out. And so I went to work in a broom factory down in Oakland. And uh, so we had three room, board, and laundry there. Mm-hmm. And I took my, all my paychecks. I take I take and buy going out uh, over to record exchange in Frisco and buy old time music records. Mm -hmm. I'd come back with stacks of records, and so I had a ended up having a stack. As you're standing up, say five foot seven, uh, from the ground up to chest high, the seventy eights. So that was my big learning. And then, like I say, I learned the Italian, Mexican music, and Portuguese, and Spanish right. the people themselves. And the stuff that you bought on uh, on LP or whatever, that stuff you just learned by ear? 78. Yeah, 78. So uh, 78s, right. Okay. All right. Uh, but you obviously have a tremendous ear. Well, no, uh, kid. I, was, uh, I mean, that's the understatement of the night, maybe. <laughs> I, I have uh, what you call absolute pitch. And uh, and when I when I learned that I did have it, 
when I was about eight years old, uh, I learned also that there were only seven people in the world that had it. Really? Well, now there's lots more because there's lots more people in the world. <laughs> uh, so the different keys make me think of different climates. Hmm. You know, like the key of A, that's a cold climate. There's a good reason for that because the Scottish pipes are in the key of A and, well, kind of like in B-flat now, the reeds are different. Uh, and that's that sound, that's got a cold sound, you know, you've hmm. heard Scottish pipes. Yeah, sure. All right, that's a cold sound. Like the key of G makes me think of hot weather. Hmm. But hot weather around in Idaho or somewhere around there in the summer. And uh, or Canada. And D, that's a warm climate too. C is a warm climate. And uh, F is a climate by the ocean. Hmm. B flat is a climate by the ocean because the Navy bands play in B flat and F a lot. Hmm. And it sounds like it's by the ocean. Have you ever uh, thought of that uh, in regard to music? Hey, Kenny. Didn't you tell me once that the crickets sing in different keys? Oh, yeah, they do. See, like the crickets, uh, they sing uh, just a little lower octave than piano high C, down to lower F. Uh, the beep, beep, beep crickets. Uh, now, the, the crusaders, anyway, uh, they sing higher than regular cricket. Huh. They, they keep a buzz going all the time. They don't, they don't think, I don't know how they manage to do that, but like uh, if it's good hot weather like I like, they're in piano, high C. Hmm. If high C is high C on the piano, there is. And then by the time the night goes down and it gets a little cooler, they only go down about four notes around G sharp. Really? And it's something that's repeated. In other words, it's t it, they, it's, yeah. a, it's a typical thing that they go through. And they sing different keys in different parts of the mountains, too, don't they? Yeah, they do. Sure. Yeah, from the cooler part of the mountains, they uh, sing the lower, lower key. Huh, amazing. Yeah. And again, you've obviously got this remarkable ear that can pick out and recognize those differences. So. Oh, I sure can. Which made us all nervous. <laughs> <laughs> My mother... She uh, she hasn't got that ear, but she her art is cooking. She can sure play a stove well. <laughs> <laughs> We'd all be playing around Kenny and going, oh my gosh, I hope I'm in tune. Chances are we're almost. Yeah. Remember we used to go down to the Egg and I and the, oh, I think yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the Capri. The Capri, yeah, remember the Capri? That lady, that lady handed me a pill and I wouldn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Kenny, can I ask you a question about uh, about like about being in tune? Does it ever ha having an ear that's as sensitive as yours? Does perfect tune really exist, or are you always struggling, you know, to get right on top of it? Or does it, you know, does it drive you crazy? Yeah. Uh, now the, with tuning with frets, though, you know, like mandolin uh, like that. Right. Whatever that fret is, if it's off, off the like. A, well, sometimes an octave above uh, the open string, mm -hmm. another string, if it's sharp, it's too bad. It's got to stay that way because that fret's right there. Mm. Now, with a the fiddle, 
you can tune your fingers where you, you play perfectly in tune because no friction to. Right, as long as your finger's in the right position. I've taken up playing the dobro because I like that aspect of the dobro. You just slide into position, you know, and you oh, don't. Yeah. The frets are there, but you you don't have to worry about them too much. Yeah, that, no, that's right. Yeah, uh, dobro's good. Yeah, I know some uh, Hawaiian music too. <laughs> yeah, Mike plays the guitar, don't you, Mike? Yeah, I play a little guitar, and and I've I've really uh, picked up and enjoyed the dulcimer since you and I have been hanging out, Kent. Yeah. Hammer dulcimer or the other one? The lap dulcimer. Oh, lap dulcimer. Which which I which I just love. I think it's like angels singing. Kenny, how many how many different? Uh, I know you're primarily a string instrument uh, guy. How many different instruments do you like to play? Oh, well, uh, well it's harmonica, Ken. Yeah, harmonica. Yeah. Oh. Because there's your reed. Yeah, string instrument, five string instruments, and a harmonica. Huh. I don't know whether I can play harmonica now or not, though, because I got false teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I got false teeth too. This works. Yeah, you can still play. Okay. You can take them out and play it too. <laughs> <laughs> that's what harmonica Frank did. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, yeah, that's right. Huh? Of course, he also played it through his nose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I tell you what. We're at the bottom of the hour here. Let's take a break here and let's play a little music. All right. All right. And we'll come back and uh, talk a little bit more with the legendary Kenny Hall uh, coming to us live from Fresno, California, and my good friend Kent Stedman from Seattle, Washington, as usual for the Bard. So anyway, this is Mike, and you're listening to Radio Orbit. It's just about 12.27, and we're going to listen to a little bit more music here from Kenny Hall and the Sweet Smell String Band. This is called Lonesome Road. It's one of my favorites, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more with the guys in just a moment here, and with Marta, who's on the phone with us as well. Actually, this is called Stony Point, and so we'll play this, and then uh, I'll play Lonesome Road right after this one. All right.
This is Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit. Now, we just heard a couple songs from uh, Kenny Hall and the Sweet Smell String Band. We heard Stony Point and uh, Lonesome Road. All of this stuff uh, uh, off of this particular CD was recorded in three sessions back in 1972 and uh, was, uh, was released... I think it, I think in the same year actually the uh, the guys that are playing on the 
on this particular disc are, of course, Kenny uh, Hall on the mandolin, Jim Ringer on guitar. I don't think Jim's around anymore. Uh, Ron Tinkler on banjo. We'll have to ask the guys about Ron Tinkler. Harry Leedstrat on fiddle. And uh, Kerry Lung on the mandolin. And uh, anyway, great stuff, uh, Kenny. And uh, I, I love it. There's a whole bunch of great stuff on that CD that you put together in the 70s. When it was originally released, you know, it was uh, two LPs, uh, separate yeah. L- LPs, uh, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Okay, all right. And, and then when they uh, put it out on the disc, they, they put it, both of them onto the one. And um, but the thing is, when it was recorded in 72, and Kenny came to the San Diego Folk Festival at San Diego State in 1972, uh, trying, uh, trying to get it all, you know, released in time for that. And unfortunately, it didn't. It didn't make it to the festival, but the boys did. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I got to hear Kenny. Really? that festival. And that was 19... What year was that, Marta? Huh? What year was that? 1972, spring of 72. 72, so that was right when that stuff had just been recorded, yeah. Right, and at the time, Jim Ringer, the guitar player, had this great mat of a of a beard and, and real shaggy, bushy hair and everything, you know. Looking like a real mountain man, you know, just kind of crawled out of the cave or something. Right. Well, then six months later, when um, I met Jim... You know, in person, um, he had his beard gone, he had his hair cut, and was dressed completely different. He was wearing a cowboy shirt and a, you know, a cowboy hat and everything. I didn't know it was the same guy. Right. And um, we became very good friends. And then uh, at the San Diego uh, Banjo and Fiddle Contest down in Balboa Park, he told... uh, Curtis, he says, listen, she she should be on your staff next year. She should be on your staff. And he says, well, uh, okay, yeah, we always want volunteers. So the next festival came around, and Jim kept telling me he had a friend from Fresno he wanted me to meet. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't have, really, did not have a clue that it was Kenny. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> he says, you've got to be here on Friday in the daytime. The boys are going to come in, and we're playing Friday night. You've got to be here. Right. I says, okay, okay, okay. So I show up, and he says, oh, God, you made it great. My friends are here. I'm going to take you back. I want to introduce you to him. He says, now, one of my friends is blind now. This this is the, the fellow I, want, I really want you to meet, and I want him to meet you. He says, but when he puts his hand out saying hello, put this bottle in his hand, right? <laughs> and I had a bottle of uh, Murphy's Irish whiskey with me. And so we walk into the back room there, and all the rest of the boys looked the same as they did on, you know, when I saw them the year before. Right, right. So all of a sudden it dawns on me that, you know, the woolly bear is, is Jim Ringer, right? <laughs> and so anyway, so he introduces me to all the lads, and then when, when Kenny puts out his hand and I put the bottle in it, he says, well, hello. <laughs> and that was the beginning of our friendship and eventual uh, falling in love and, and getting married. Um, We've been together now for uh, 33 years. Is that right? And married for 32. That's right. Amazing. Well, that's a great story. Congratulations. I love it. One of the boys on that album, Carrie Lung, he says howdy to you. Oh, yeah? Well, he's up here. Right back. Yes, indeed. 
Yeah, Kerry's up in Seattle, and uh, and I know you get together and play with him a little bit now and again, Kent. Well, he resurrected me from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I had quit. I don't know. I I ended up in Fresno by accident, and I left by accident. <laughs> and when I when I left, I quit playing too, unfortunately, and started raising kids. Remember Wendy, do you? That'll do it. <laughs> you remember Wendy? Well, she came with a whole pass of kids, including one of my own. Yeah. And so I've been raising kids. Well, here comes Carrie about three years ago. Right, right, right. right yeah. And, and said, we got to dust you off in this hint and start playing. So see, Carrie got me going again. And a great person as well. Is, is Becky still down there, Ringer? Becky is now a school teacher. <clears throat> and she has a little boy, Jake. Uh, and uh, her and Vince are together. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they're both teaching now. Yeah, it's Jim Ringer's daughter. I knew Becky. She was, took my class, huh. my art class. Hey, um, hey, Kenny, what's the latest in your uh, uh, performance career? Who are you playing with these days? Well, on, what, play Ramblers. Uh, on Wednesday nights, and then, of course, the Long Haul String Band. Right. Uh, whenever we uh, play festivals and, and uh, go out of town. Yeah. What are you planning on doing this year? Oh, well, well we got a few festivals. Uh, let's see, there's... There's one in uh, Frisco and the 9th of February. Yes, 9th through the 14th of February. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the uh, Peaches and Cream uh, Bluegrass and Old Time Music Festival in San Francisco. Oh, cool. And uh, hopefully we'll be playing at the uh, Adams Avenue uh, Roots Festival in San Diego again. That is, that's taken over the uh, place of the San Diego Folk Festival, the East Field uh, San Diego State. And we're also hoping to go back to Grass Valley. Grass Valley in June. Yeah, yeah, for the Father's Day weekend. And uh, hopefully Wairika also. Um, We played at their first uh, folk festival um, last year, Old Time and Bluegrass Festival. And uh, they were great. That was a great bunch of people up there. And we got to see Harry. Harry was up there with the Black Mountain uh, String Band. Right, right. He's a great, great fiddle player. And um, then, well, one of the greatest things that happened to us was uh, in last September we got to play in Berkeley. Um, oh, yeah. Susie Thompson and Eric Thompson uh, set up a, have a big festival up there in the fall. Mm-hmm. And so we got to play at the freight for the, the new freight for the first time. Oh, cool. <laughs> and uh, that was fantastic. We got up there. We found out that the gig was sold out in advance, and there were still people at the door trying to get in, and others hanging around trying to hear the music when the door opened and closed. Wow! And sitting in the front row was Utah Phillips. (laughs) No kidding. Yeah, he'd come uh, come up early for Faith Patrick's uh, annual birthday bash uh, because he wanted to hear us, and uh, also on the bill with us. Derek and, and uh, Susie was uh, Mike Seeger. Huh. Well, that was a great night. That sounds like it must have been amazing. Yeah. And we 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 drank whiskey and ate watermelon. <laughs> 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 a good combination. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kenny, you've played with you've played with so many uh, great players over the years. 
maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of your uh, sort of favorite, uh, give me a couple highlight experiences over all these years with maybe somebody that uh, that you really enjoyed playing with. Oh, well, I enjoyed most all of them. Uh, I learned, I first learned when I was uh, 12 years old from uh, W.D. Stamford huh. there in my hometown. Mm-hmm. He was also blind, and uh, he taught me this tune. We call it the Apricot Steelers Waltz because... When we wasn't stealing apricots, we were playing that waltz. Right. And, uh, and Tommy Don't Go. And Tommy Don't Go, yeah. yeah. Two waltzes from Texas. And, uh, so he was my first teacher, that is, and, and of course, the fiddle teacher at school, too. Right. And the Desmonds? The Desmonds, oh, yeah. They were Texans, too. Uh, they taught me a lot of a lot of Texas music. Uh, have you ever... You ever heard of Hob Dye? No, I haven't. Texas bootlegger? Huh. Well, anyway, they, they, t- they taught me a tune that he wrote. Uh, he was he was uh, 11 years in the pen for bootlegging. Yeah. I wish I could have met him. Huh. And, and then also, we had the, the great privilege back in 75 of... Um, after we had played for the Smithsonian at the Folklife Festival, they they took us out there on the charter, you know, all of the representatives of California. Right. Um, but they let us come back on our own. So uh, we booked a, we had them book us to Nashville so we could go to uh, Franklin and visit with uh, Sam uh, McGee and his wife and, oh, yeah. and, his, and of course, his, his brother Kirk yeah. and his wife. So... That was fantastic. We spent our first night uh, in the Nashville area down in Franklin at uh, Sam McGee's and sat there and played music all night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was neat. There's some interesting old... There's some interesting people out of Fresno, too. The, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Ron... Pete Everwine. Ron Huey. Ron Huey. Ron Huey, yes. And Pete Everwine, they were part of the original Sweets Mill band, weren't they? Yeah, they're, they're uh, Sweet, Sweet Mill Mountain Boys. Right. Sweet Mill Mountain Frank Boys. Yeah. Frank Hicks, yeah. Frank Hicks, he's on the other side now. He's he, We're still here pushing, and all those guys were pulling down the other side. Frank <laughs> Hicks is on the other side. Hopefully they're pulling for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Otis, even old Otis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I worked for Otis for right. quite a while. Otis yeah, saved my life once. In fact, Otis was the first person to offer me a job in Fresno. Who's Otis, you guys? Otis Pierce. He runs a bar out there by uh, he did run, yeah. Centerville. He used to run until he died. And uh, he played the guitar, a uh, 12-string, and also he played banjo. Wow. And uh, he, he also made an album for uh, Bay Records. The, the same company that did the Sweet Smell Spring Band. He had a niece get a hold of me on the internet once and looking for music. So, good thing I remembered about that album. Yeah, yeah. She's a distant uh, relative, or had only met him once in her life, and wanted some Otis music. What about what about that guy? His name was Larry Hanks. He used to play oh, harp a little. Sure. Yeah, he was. He also was. See, I gave up music for twenty years because there wasn't no. Uh, wasn't none of my kind of music around. So I wasn't going to play that uh, Western swing. Yeah. 
Or the Cry Baby Western. So, but anyway, uh, so Larry Hanks helped me get back into musical. Also, Faith Patrick, too. And, uh, and Merritt Herring? Merritt Herring, yeah. Hmm. He's on the other side now, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, he's on the other side. Virgil. Frank. Hey, Kenny, what did you do for those 20 years when you put down your instruments? I just put it down. Sold brooms. Sold brooms and worked in the broom factory for a while, sorting out broom corn. Yeah, the hippies kind of said, hey, Kenny, you you got to start playing again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they got me back into music. Well, yeah, Kent's told me stories from long ago that just these remarkable stories about how uh, all of the young guys used to sit around with Kenny, and uh, I mean, they, they they were obviously totally formative times for you guys, Kent. Oh man, I tell you that the music, Kenny's music, saved me. You know, I've had my ups and downs in life, but the, the one thing that helped me through it all was the music, Kenny's music. Well, that's good. So I, I want to thank you for that. Well, you certainly welcome. Got me in a lot of trouble too. But <laughs> <laughs> I remember we were sitting out one night at the Capri, I think it was. And I don't know. Uh, the bikers would follow us around wherever we went. And, uh, yeah. It was either the Capri or the Egg and I. I can't remember. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, the, uh, so there was a bunch of trouble started up, and they came up and said, "Well, what do you guys talk to these fellas for?" Me? <laughs> They're busting up the furniture or something. <laughs> the bikers would take them reds and chase them with liquor. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I went out there and I, I recognized one guy. And uh, I said, excuse me, sir. <laughs> I said, the, the the manager here has requested that I speak on his behalf. <laughs> <laughs> and he pulled out about a 16-inch bowie knife. <laughs> And uh, uh, so I decided, well, yeah. my time has come. My time has come. I said, <laughs> I said go ahead. <laughs> but he bought me a beer instead, so it worked. Yeah, that was at the Egg and I. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, another thing at the Egg and I was this one night when uh, when Kenny was playing in Ireland. I was I was the waitress, uh, one of the waitresses in the back room there where where the music was, and. Um, this guy comes up to me and he says, "Excuse me, ma'am, or um, are you Kenny's old lady?" <laughs> and and I just kind of, you know, it, it definitely caught me clear on that because the, Kenny's 27 years older than me, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, "Geez, how can I be his old lady?" <laughs> you know, and so, but I and I looked up at him and he was like a short version of Jim Ringer. Oh. And it turned out to be his nephew. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Amazing. I went out to I went out to Otis's one night with my second wife. She's real pretty, tall. Uh, Leah's mama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, I went in there and I sat down on a bench and, and Otis was playing by himself up on the stage and. Well, anyway, this great big old guy looked like Paul Bunyan, man. <laughs> he took it. He started looking at Judy, taking an eye at Judy, you know. We're sitting on this wooden bench. So he comes over there and scoots onto the other end of that bench, 
the other side of Judy, and I go, palop on the floor. <laughs> he scoots me right off on the floor. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and notice his head jerks around. He takes a look at that thing, and Otis was protective of musicians, you know. He knew me from sweet smell and stuff. He comes over, and he looks down at me and says, you okay? <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, it's okay, it's okay, Otis, it's okay. He says, I don't think it's okay. <laughs> so he goes and gets Sonny, and they escort that big old Paul Bunyan dude outside, and I go, oh, no. <laughs> and I hear a couple of gun blasts go off, and then he comes in and grabs the microphone, and he says, I want you all, Otis says, I want you all to know that this is a friendly family salute. Well, uh, to chase this story a little bit further, about a year later, I ran into that guy in a meeting. <laughs> in a meeting. He was chairing the meeting, and I, I thought I recognized him, but he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he, he came up after the meeting. He said, you remember me? <laughs> and I go, oh, my, and it all came back. <laughs> he says, you know, he says, I don't hold any grudges because I was a S of a B that night. He says, but they laid me up for six months. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, uh, well, anyway, they laid him up, but otherwise he'd have laid me up. So I, I figure <laughs> Otis saved my life. Oh, man. Yep, he sure did. All right, well, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kenny. I never got in any, any trouble out there. That's because you could fit behind the refrigerator. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd hide behind the refrigerator when there's a fight going on. <laughs> Pretty good move. Yeah, they were, it was a well, one of those places where the Wild West was still alive. <laughs> yeah. um, this last this last year, however, the main bar burnt down. Yeah. Yes. Oh, good. Yes, yeah. After Sonny died. Oh mm-hmm. no. Mhm. Oh, <laughs> yep. They never have really said. But uh, one of the suspicions is that it was some disgruntled um, person who had been escorted. I was there, obviously. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. That uh, decided to come back, thank God, after the bar was closed. Tell us some Sweets Mill memories. you got your album there sitting called Sweets Mill. Tell us about Sweets Mill. Oh, that's 240 acres of woods. It's pretty country. And there's a lake up there you can swim if you want. Well, a holding pond, you can swim. Yeah, I know about uh, 40 miles of trail up there. Yeah. Up there, over the ridge and down in the Jose Basin. Right. It used to be a logging mill, and that's where the name comes from. Yeah, it was owned by Clyde Sweet. Huh, so that's where Sweet's Mill came from, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was an experience. It's like going into another world or something. Yeah, it really was. How so? Well, you'd wake up in the morning, these pipes would be playing, you know. Yeah. And then you'd sort of crawl out of your sleeping bag and wander in toward the main yeah. hand-built lodge Virgil Bixby built there. Little old seven-year-old kids would be learning the fiddle and doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and there'd be just great music everywhere. I mean, it was confusing sometimes because you didn't know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> And I always find myself all worn out in the day, just trying to go back and forth, back and forth, and listen to all that fantastic music. But it was like being in Middle Earth or something. Like yeah, that. it was in another world. Mm-hmm. It was like. 
in the Turkish coffee tent. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. John Brown, yeah. They'd have all these gypsy dancers. And... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The belly dancers, yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, you guys. We are just about the top of the hour, so let's... Uh, Let's play a little bit more music. I've got a couple songs here that I want to play that you sort of reminded me of over this last uh, little segment here. So um, can you uh, stick around for a few more minutes after the top of the hour? Sure. Yeah. All right, great. Okay, uh, we will do it then. This is Mike Hagan, and you're listening to Radio Orbit. My guests are Kenny and Marta Hall, uh, along with Ken Stedman. And uh, we're talking about music and fiddle playing and uh, old-timer uh, nostalgic stuff uh, for Kent and for uh, Kenny. They go way back, and so we've got a whole bunch of good stuff going on tonight, and we'll continue it here. This uh, uh, particular song here is called uh, Kenny's Farm, and uh, we'll let Kenny tell us a little bit about it after uh, after we hear it, and we're going to play one more after this one as well called, I don't know, what did I want to play? Old Mother Flanagan, I think. So, anyway, okay, this is Kenny's Farm. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Mike. You listen to Radio Orbit. And uh, stick around. We'll come back with Kenny Hall and uh, his lovely wife, Marta, and um, a good friend, Kent Stedman, from cyberspaceorbit.com. By the way, if you go on the web uh, to mikehagan.com, click over on the music, uh, the music tab there, and you can read a whole bunch about uh, Kenny Hall and his history. And you can download a couple of songs uh, there as well. And you can also uh, link over to uh, the site where Kenny's CD is available, or some of his CDs are available to uh, to purchase. All right, so that's at MikeHagan.com, and just click on the music track, uh, uh, the music tab, okay? All right, one more time, this is Kenny's Farm, and it's from uh, the, um, uh, the uh, anthology uh, Kenny Hall and the Sweet Smell String Band. And this is Mike, you listen to Radio Orbit.
All right, uh, there was a couple from Kenny Hall and the Sweet Smell String Band. All right, uh, this is Mike, and you are listening to Radio Orbit. And let's get back to my guest tonight. We have the wonderful Kenny Hall and uh, his wife, Marta, we're talking to, and uh, Ken Stedman, who's a longtime friend of uh, of the Halls and has played a lot of music with them over the years. And uh, we're just sort of... Sort of sh- Shooting it up a little bit. So, uh, Ken, Kenny, hi, you guys. Hi. Hi, Marta. Hi. Hey, uh, where do you get those wonderful albums and CDs now? Uh, you, you know, everybody out there, you're culturally deprived unless you have a Kenny Hall CD. Yeah, no doubt. You can go uh, to cdbaby.com and uh, just uh, put in uh, Kenny Hall in a little search engine there. I think, Marta, you have another... Uh, website or uh, contact information for some more of the current stuff uh, with the long haul band. Uh, maybe you could give uh, that information if you've got it. Right. Um, actually, although we don't have a computer, there is a Kenny Hall website uh, <laughs> called Kenny Hall Band. Uh, www.kennyhallband.com. All right, and, I am going um, right now. Uh, there's actually right now there's Three CDs that are uh, available on on that website. It's uh, two with the Santa Fe Ramblers, the new uh, Santa Fe Ramblers, uh, the folks we play with on Wednesday nights at uh, the Basque here in Fresno, the uh, Santa Fe Basque restaurant. And then um, there's also a uh, solo album of Kenny's that was uh, the picture was taken at Pierce's Park, in fact, on the, the jacket. Um, it's called Guitar for Purvis. It's Kenny's only solo guitar album. And I've kind of branched out a wee bit myself. I, I am the um, one of the co-producers on, on those three uh, uh, releases. And three, they're still LPs. But anyways, um, and we're going to be doing... Going into the studio again fairly soon uh, for a third CD with the um, with the Ramblers, and then we're going to be working on a 30th anniversary of the Long Haul uh, String Band, in which we hope to um, have a great family reunion of guitar players, and with and also of course Kenny and Terry Barrett and myself as uh, the nucleus of of the Long Haul. All right. Well, yeah, I, I'm I'm actually at that uh, that website right now. I don't know if you are Kent, but uh, if you go to KennyHallBand.com, uh, exactly what Marta is talking about is right there. And I'm also I just went over to the to the gallery uh, section of the website, and there's some great photos there of a whole bunch of different people playing. But there's Kenny in the middle. There's Marta on the drum. I can see you there. And, and uh, wow, a whole uh, slew of different people, but some great, uh, uh, a couple of great old photos, actually, too, of Kenny as well. well and Mike and I are going to put these links up on, see, I went from guitar picker to geek over the last 25 years. Yeah, Web Ken's geek, turned so into a I've, I've got a geek. website, and uh, we'll put those links up there real strong and bold so everybody have a chance, a great opportunity to own part of it. Uh, is the songbook still around? Uh, the the uh, Bay, um, Bay Mel, quit making them. Yeah, uh, Mel Bay um, discontinued them, but I understand that on their website some of the tunes are still available. Oh, great! Yeah, and and I hope I'd love to have them put it back into print. Really, that would be terrific. 
but um, I, I don't know if it would be a write-in campaign or what, as far as to get something like that done. But, but um, it is. I, in fact, I heard that uh, it sold. Uh, somebody sold a copy of it on the uh, internet for fifty fifty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turned into a collector's item summer. for sure. And but uh, and another thing we have coming up in the very near future. In fact, uh, this spring. We're going to be doing a music video. Yes. And um, with uh, the principal players from the um, the Santa Fe Ramblers, we're going to do uh, Charlie Poole's uh, Leaving Leaving Home. All right. Uh, his uh, cool. version of Frankie and Johnny. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so uh, we're going to be doing that at, at his historical site here in Fresno. So it'll be kind of a little travelogue of the highlights. Of the area as well. All right. Well, it's great to hear that you're that that you guys are staying so busy and still so involved in the music scene there. I just love to hear it. It's just absolutely uh, inspiring, is what it is. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hey, um, Kenny, can I a- ask you uh, uh, a question? You explained to us early that uh, that you uh, have been blind from birth and so have never had the the uh, the, the sense of sight as as most people. Uh, recognize it. Yet you also mentioned that sound for you uh, has sort of become a surrogate uh, for that and taken the the place of vision. And so many people assume that the appreciation of the natural world, you know, comes from a visual, from from vision. That's the you know so so much of human experience is vision. But the sound part of it is so important, and, and I think that it has to tie into your music. And so maybe if I could just ask you to expand a little bit on nature and and the connection to your music. Oh, you see, that's why I was telling you the different keys, the different, it sounds like the key of F, but that's an ocean key, mm-hmm. because the, the band's playing F and B flat, and E flat, and the flats and sharps are in this band music, you know, the marching bands. Mm-hmm. And now I've had a passion for nature ever since I was seven years old. Uh, this, uh, and, and I, I was going to the school up there in Berkeley, the state school, and I lived there for nine months out of the year. And this uh, supervisor was an army captain, took us all out in the woods. We had to go. And I liked it. I think I was the only one that did like it. Mm-hmm. The rest of them didn't like it. Kenny, the one thing you had to tell them is, is where exactly the school was located, that it was located on the edge of the... Uh, on the edge of, of the, the woods, yes. Yeah, the Oakland Hills and, yeah. and a forest reserve. Yes, yes, right on the edge of the forest. And, uh, well, uh, right close to the school, it was eucalyptus. But if you go up a steep hill, about two miles... Then you come to the pines up there on top of that hill, and there's a big plat, uh, plateau. And uh, you walk in, and there's full of pines on the left side. You can go down to the pines any time you wanted to. There's a big trail there. The, the trail didn't go through the pines, but you could go down to it any time you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the plateau, it went, then it went down the hill and then up a real steep hill. But it only was about a block long. And then there was another plateau, and that was about, oh, a mile long or so. 
And then another real steep hill, a long steep hill, and that was that mentioned. He was on top of Grizzly Peak, which was 1,760 foot tall. Wow. And you could not go any higher in the hills than that. You, you'd be going down from there. You could go back the way you came if you wanted to. You'd go out the highway and walk down the highway to uh, back to the school. Yeah. Sometimes Mother Nature responds to Kenny's tunes, too. I remember one Here's what, here's what I mean. I, this is a memory. I hope it's a clear one. <laughs> we were out at Susan Peck and Paws. Oh, yeah. Place for a folk society. Memorial uh, campouts, yeah. Camp out, and we're sitting sort of back on the north end of it, her place there, and Kenny uh, was picking a, a reel or a jig or something like that. We're right in the middle of it, and the whole earth started moving. <laughs> you remember that, Kenny? No, I don't. The whole earth started moving. They, they had an earthquake up, the, up there in Mammoth Mountain or something like that. Oh, <laughs> Kenny remembers the important things, you see. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm dramatic. I forgot about the toenails entirely. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you see, and he didn't have to see it to know what she was doing either. Oh, no, I could hear. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's amazing, and, and it's astonishing that uh, that he gives these uh, these great descriptions of mountain trails and where the trees are, and and uh, and and the fact that uh, that you're so comfortable. Uh, out and about uh hiking on mountains and things like that i mean it's it's just the the coolest thing and i love the fact that uh uh that it ties into the music so much i mean i just think that's the neatest thing i ever heard did you ever notice that uh, uh pine tree smell just like no ice cream tastes ooh it's good <laughs> yeah. you can tell the difference between the shade cast by a pine tree and a cloud right oh yeah yeah, I've been hiking with Kenny up there by Blue Canyon, I believe it was. We went hiking up this trail down the other side. I love nature, too. I haven't been out in it as much as I'd like to. But lately. And, and another thing with Kenny, too, is he always remembers what treats you can drink out of and what ones you can't. Yeah. That's a very important part of it. Too. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's, that's a valuable tool these days, for sure. Anyway, nature, you know, that's candy. Uh, the, hot, the hot sun, that's her warm hands. Mm. And anyway, I was told, telling the kids that one time, and me and the kids were uh, walking down to the McDonald's after a hamburger. He came home and he told his mother, he said, Mom, candy's hands are too hot. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> when were you in Ireland last time, Marta? Kitty? I didn't hear you. When were you over there in Ireland last? Oh, last uh, in '89. Wow, um, it's been a while. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yes, we. Uh, in fact, that particular trip to Ireland, uh, we, the uh, Italian government paid for. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we got. We went to Italy. We went to France. Ireland. Right. Yeah. And uh, we got 
when we left France, we left from uh, Shoreburn, and we um, took the boat train, the St. Killian, wow. over to uh, to Ireland. Yeah. And it was great. It happened to be 4th of July when uh, um, when we were passing England. And uh, so Kenny and I went up on deck and faced the direction we figured England was in, you know, through the pitch black there of the Atlantic. Right. And uh, did our own... Um, American salute, so shall we say. We wrote a few songs like uh, our own version of God Save the Queen <laughs> and uh, <laughs> basically uh, celebrated the 4th of July that way. All right. And then all of a sudden, we, after we finished our little concert to the, to the continent area and, and to, uh, to the island, we we uh, suddenly heard some applause from down the deck, you know, and Penny and I thought we were the only ones out there. <laughs> and so this uh, couple came up to us, and the fellow, the fellow was actually from France, and um, the girl was American, and she said, you know, she says, I'm from Boston with the pups and all of that. She says, and I never really cared, you know, one way or the other about the 4th of July, but... Geez, you guys put a whole new meaning to it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, where are you from there over there, Marta? Where's your hometown in Ireland? Uh, Well, it's not really a town. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Nine Mile House was the uh, closest shopping area to um, to my my family's uh, farm, and uh, it's in Tipperary. And the Carlow side. And um Is that the northern or the southern part of Ireland or what part of the oh, island? Oh no, no, it's the south. It's that yeah, we're no, we're Munster. We're, we're ah, okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Cork is the only thing farther south. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um then of course Kirk on Shore was the was the big town, you know, the market town. Close uh, closest to us. So but anyways, um it was it was great. It was a perfect place, really. It's a wonderful place to grow up, and it's a wonderful place to grow old, hmm. you know. And, um, you know, still there is open areas, and uh, you don't, you're never too far from the sea, hmm. you know, like 20 miles or 20. Uh, uh, actually, you can get as far away as 50 miles from the sea. Yeah. Around Tullamore. Yes. Right. And uh, that's that's one of the things I love there. I've I've always wanted to go back, actually, and and open a, a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah in with, Dublin, with, uh, either Dublin or Galway, you know, yeah. uh, one or the other. Or well, Cork, but actually, I think uh, tourist-wise, you know, you figure because the, the diet is less spicy than mm. say the California cuisine, for example. So. Um, I figured any of the American uh, tourists that came over and had been there, say, about two or three weeks and were dying for spices, then naturally there's a place for them to go. And uh, we'd have uh, the menu, like, say, about 12 items on it, you know, and but, but with three different streets. Right. You know, mild for, mild for the Irish taste. Right. Medium for the East Coast taste. And then California heat for the for everybody else. Right. 
And we always figured that we should have the restaurant open as soon as the pubs close at night. Because that is one thing that I did miss sorely when, when we went back to Ireland, is the fact that after we got through playing, there was no place to have supper. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> so if you didn't have your own flat or a place where you could cook, you were kind of out of luck, you know. Right, right. So I figured that would be the ticket, you know. That's a great idea. So was the traditional music being played when you were a kid over there? Oh, yes. Sure. Oh, yes. Yeah, in fact, yeah. what they wanted to hear was the... The, uh, what happened to the Irish music when it came to America? Yeah, so we showed him. Yep, and uh, one of uh, one of the guys that we got to know down there, in uh, Jimmy Hurley, down in uh, Cork, he played banjo, and um, he just couldn't, he couldn't believe it. He said, "Oh God, do you guys do you guys happen to know uh, uh, Tanner's Farm, which is you know what uh, Jenny's farm is?" Yeah. And oh, Tammy's yeah, yeah, boarding yeah, yeah. house, and I'm going, yeah, we do, actually. <laughs> you know, <laughs> couldn't believe it, but he's like, making all these lovely requests for guitar music. Oh, yeah. And yeah, they, they like that in Ireland. Yeah, and, of course, everybody in Ireland knows Charlie Poole. Charlie Poole yeah. In fact, you know, Charlie Poole's uh, headstone was erected by his fan club in Northern Ireland. Really? About, oh, God, probably about 40 years or 50 years after his passing. Huh. Well, I'm trying to relearn all the old carolin tunes again. Ah. Oh, they're neat, yeah, they're neat. Yes. Pretty tune. Yeah, that's the Irish classical. Yes. Yeah. That come out in about 1600, I believe, something like that. Yes, it's beautiful. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Beautiful classical music like Vivaldi or something like that. Hmm. What about the dancers? Are they still dancing there in Fresno? McTaggart? Or... Oh, no, they're... Actually, um, Maureen is back. She oh, is. Where'd she, she go? <laughs> she, she moved to Denver for quite a while, you know. And, of course, she was so busy adjudicating at all of the, the fleshes. She is the main adjudicator for North America, for everybody west of uh, St. Louis. See, for your listening audience, that used to be my favorite thing, sitting there with Kenny and the other musicians and uh, seeing those wonderful Irish dancers. They were called the McTaggart dancers. Yeah. That's right. Actually, uh, the lady's teacher, her married name was Maureen Hall. Right. And she had all her kids. I don't know. She had a whole bunch of kids. <laughs> I can't remember about eight of them. And, uh, I got pretty close yes, to a guy named yes. Kevin. I guess he's still there. Kevin, right? Kevin yeah, was the eldest uh, boy dancer. And um, his, his sister Pat was older. And she's, uh, I understand, teaching down in Arizona still, teaching Irish dance. And uh, Vincent has has uh, gone into politics in San Diego. We got to see him last spring. And Billy uh, is in construction. Billy was never a dancer, and the oldest boy, Jack, was never a dancer. Hmm. I'll tell you an unlikely tale. Uh, we're up at Wawona. You know where that is? Up oh. oh, yeah. They have an old old town up there with a barn. Yes. We were picking music in there. And I, Kevin, who was in his, uh, he's 19, 20 years old, he was at his peak as a dancer. And uh, we were playing a jig, and he was, 
He was doing some high kicks. He was out there kind of by himself. Oh, yeah. And he did this kick and went way the heck <laughs> up in the air. So, you know, it was so amazing that the whole band stopped. <laughs> and went, and uh, I'd never seen anything like that. And I've talked to him since then. I said, Kevin, what happened? He said, I don't know. He says, I've never experienced anything like that either. <laughs> See, sometimes the music takes you into places you don't expect. <laughs> well, isn't that And that place for Kevin was almost suspended in midair. It was amazing. Right. Huh. Kick. Where was this at? He okay, did. At Wawona, Kenny. Oh, Wawona, yeah. It's a right. brand new village here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the blue steens were picking. There was a whole bunch of us up there. I think Kenny oh, was yeah. up there. Amazing. Kevin was out dancing. That was amazing. Kevin used to uh, come when we used to play at uh, Herb's Joint. Yeah. And, and uh, Kevin used to come in and, and uh, dance, you know, a couple of dances, you know. Oh, yeah. Yes, you know, put the spotlight on the on the dance floor type thing. And um, so he was really, you know, well, well received by the bar, of course. Mm. And it got to the point where we had to, to start making up stories <laughs> for him and for Terry to play there because neither of them were, were 21 and the drinking age was 21. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so uh, that's, that was when Terry became 22 yeah. and uh, Kevin had uh, just turned 21. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I think Kevin was about 16 and Terry was about 19. <laughs> Yeah, and Kenny was their teacher. He got some great musicians started. One of them's Terry oh. Barrett. Well, and now a couple of guys are the John and Sputter Green. I ran into them a couple of years right. ago. He learned the whole 1100 tunes that I know. Amazing. Well, hey, let me um, let me ask you another question. Then uh, we're we're at the bottom of the hour, and I want to take a quick break here. Uh, but well, first of all, can you stick around for just a little while longer, Kenny, Marta? No. Okay, and then uh, I want to I want to follow up on something that Kent just brought up. He mentioned that you were uh, obviously you've been a great teacher to a whole lot of people. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit after the break about music, and maybe you can give some tips, and we can talk a little bit about you know how people can uh, can improve uh, the way they use music in their lives, and how kids can uh, maybe something to help kids learn that sort of stuff. All right. Okay. All right. Well, we'll come back and we will talk with uh, my guest Kenny Hall and Marta Hall, and uh, Kent Stedman from CyberspaceOrbit.com. This is Mike Hagan, and you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. And let's see, what are we going to hear here? I actually want to hear Maggie Walker Blues. So we'll play Maggie Walker Blues. Once again, this is Kenny Hall uh, performing with the Sweet Smell String Band from 1972. Of course, uh, uh, Kenny has a whole list of uh, different uh, recordings and collaborations with all manner of different uh, people and artists over a long, long career. And there's lots of this information available at my website at MikeHagan.com. Just click on the music tab there and you can find out a whole lot more about Kenny and his uh, history and his music and Marta as well. She's a accomplished musician in her own right. And the same thing for Kent Stedman, of course. Uh, you all know how to get over to Kent's website, CyberspaceOrbit.com. All right. Okay, this is Mike, and we will be back in just a few more minutes with uh, Kenny and Kent and Marta and uh, Radio Orbit. 
All right, this is Maggie Walker Blues. Thank you. 
All right, this is Mike, and you're listening to Radio Orbit, and we've got about another 20 minutes left with our guests tonight, so we'll get right back to them, uh, Kenny and Marta Hall, and uh, Ken Stedman. Hi, you guys. Thanks for sticking around. How to do. How to do. All right, so, Ken, uh, so Kenny, let me ask you that. Uh, you started playing music as a young man, uh, as a boy. You've been playing for many, many years. It's, it's led you all around the world and gave you amazing experiences, only a few of which we've touched on tonight. It's obviously been uh, a thrilling and fulfilling life. So how do other people tap into it? Well, uh, first it's much easier if you can play by ear. If you play by a straight note, not uh, for one thing, if you're especially if you're on the fiddle and you and you don't have the ear for, to make your fingers in the right place, it's sure going to be noticed. So, of course, the frets help you on, on the other instruments, but uh, if you have no frets, then you better have the ear, because mm. otherwise you ain't going to make it. <laughs> and... Uh, that uh, this fellow Samford down there in my hometown, he taught me. He taught me the apricot stealers and walls. And when we was, when we wasn't, when we was, wasn't stealing apricots, we was playing that waltz. And uh, one time, this Japanese farmer caught us stealing apricots out there in, in his orchard. <laughs> and uh, he 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 got a box and he filled it full of apricots. And he said, "Now get out of here." <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something about Kenny. Wherever I played with Kenny when, uh, when I was living in Fresno, there were 20 people around him playing. And I, as far as I, I'm concerned, that's the true teacher-student relationship is when a real maestro like Kenny will will put up with a whole bunch of other people sitting around trying to follow along. We don't always quite keep up, you know, and sometimes we're out of tune, but he had the uh, patience, I'd say, to let the people participate. Hmm. And if yeah. they didn't pick a string or play music, they could, you know, everybody would somehow participate. Mm -hmm. They might be dancing. You know, my my wife Wendy, she she, in her own phrase, in 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 her own words, she says, "I sing like roadkill." <laughs> but everybody just loves her singing anyway. And we got her one of those little. Uh, you ever seen those little Appalachian dancing men? Yeah, yeah. That that, that sort of they're little wooden guys with legs. That go yeah, they sort of like shake, and you kind of it's like a little marionette sort of thing. And it's an actual lumberjack. Yeah, it's an actual instrument from Smoky Mountains. Right. And she can play the heck out of that thing. She can make that little old dancing man keep perfect rhythm. She'll dance it on top of a banjo head or something like that. <laughs> and uh, she'll dance it on the top of your head. But she can make that little dude, you know. <laughs> if I were playing down there in Court House Park under the bridge where Billy Mercer used to pick, and I only had one instrument, I think I'd had hope I'd have that little dancing man. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because he brings a whole lot of attention. <laughs> and I, my, I was a teacher for many years in another sort of, an art teacher. And I, I would like to say, challenge people to get involved, you know, mm -hmm. one way or the other, you know. 
if you want to get lots of music, 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 it's a good idea to go to Sweets Mill because there'll be two weeks of it. And, and you know, but, but and also fiddle tunes. Don't need them. That's right, fiddle tunes up there. In Fort Townsend, Washington. Fort Townsend, yeah. hmm. And that's that is truly an intensive teaching festival, yeah. as well as performances for for the public. But uh, that's. Half of the teaching that goes on there is at the jam sessions at night. Yeah, yeah, that's an amazing thing that 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 I've learned that happens at some of these traditional music festivals and folk festivals. It's like the the real fireworks happen after uh, after the gates close and uh, and 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 from the closing time on. There's these amazing jam sessions that take place afterwards. Oh yeah. That one Kent, uh, I've I've been going for a couple of years to Folk Life up in Seattle with Kent, and in fact that's when I met Carrie and Harry and some of the other guys uh, up there. But gosh, uh, some of those sessions were amazing, Kent. Yeah, all those guys sure miss you. Uh, remember Tony? Oh yes, Tony Allen. Yes. I'm going to say on, hello on behalf of Tony and Timmy. He's still in Fresno somewhere. Oh yes. Yeah. Tim was quite a rhythm person. That's right, Mr. Spoons. Yeah, now see, there you go, the spoons. Yeah, that's right. You can make those spoons. Make lightning bolts shoot out of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. You can play uh, you can play almost anything. I've I've got a, I've got a two year old son, and he loves to beat on things. And I basically teach him that anything can be a drum. You know, you can yeah. play drums on anything. That doesn't make my wife very happy sometimes, but <laughs> I've got a, a four-month-old grandson, and he's already playing. Oh yeah, it's just I'll get natural. out my dulcimer or my guitar, and he he both hands he goes right for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, what's the what's the next uh, the, the next performing uh, uh, situation that you guys are going to be in, Marta? Where's the where, where's your next gig at? I know you do the regular thing during the week, but where's your next festival? Right. Okay. Um, we'll also be playing at Pagan's uh, here in Fresno uh, on the 27th of January. But after that, we'll be we'll be at the Noe Valley Ministry in San Francisco, and um, that'll be the festival from the 9th of February to the 14th. Okay. Yeah, that'll be our uh, next out of town. And you play the Basque every week? Yeah. Basque. Every Wednesday, every yes. Wednesday. Uh-huh. Yep. We're, we're there for the happy hour, I'm going to say, uh, 5.30 to 7.30. Wow, that's got to be fun. And, and then after that, like I say, um, the Roots Festival is um, normally in April. And then uh, in May, we'll be at the Auto Harp uh, Gathering up in Dunlap at the St. Nicholas a religious uh, retreat, a Greek Orthodox retreat that's taken over as a folk festival. Um, that's uh, that'll be the 19th of uh, May through the 21st. Okay. And yeah. And then uh, hopefully, like I say, Father's Day at uh, Grass Valley, and and uh, if they if they have the festival at the same time as they did last year. Um, the beginning of June would be uh, Wairika. Wairika, yeah. Yes. All right. Now, Kent, when are you going to take a trip down to California and go visit Kenny? 
Um, boy, I miss it all. I'll probably be down there sooner than you think. <laughs> I'll go get Tony, and we'll put cruising down there. Yeah, Noel, remember Noel? Yeah. He's he's over in Paso Robles right now. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. terrific. Now, who's Noel? Well, we had a my first string band. We were awful, actually, but it, we we went into the kitchen and we learned six or seven tunes, you know. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, somebody invited us to play at the Loud Blue Yonder with our six or seven tunes. <laughs> so we were called the Dog Paw String Band. And oh, it, yeah. Yep. It, in a way, that's the finest band I've ever been in because we were so innocent. We didn't know any better. We'd just get up there and we'd break strings and tell jokes and <laughs> play our six yeah. tunes and go to the bathroom or something and come back and play them over again. <laughs> <laughs> We had a lot of fun. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Kenny there, Elder that, was in that group as well, right? Whom? Kenny Elder. Kenny Elder and my wife, Mary. Yeah. Mary's passed on, you know, she's on the other side now. Oh, did she? Yeah. Goodness so we got lots of good good people on the other side. Yes, indeed. Plugging for us. <laughs> <laughs> and all those guys were inspired by Kenny. You know, the Dog Posturing Band and a dozens and dozens of other bands. Yes. And people, they're all still playing. Never went away. Oh, yeah. They might quit for a while like me, but it always comes back. Mm-hmm. When you, sooner or later, you got to play those tunes again. Right? Sure. To make life feel real or something. Right, even even Kenny himself said he took a, a, a long time off where he didn't play at all. And then, uh, obviously... Right. And now really back strongly at it again. So yeah, yeah, that was from about uh, nineteen. Let's see, oh, nineteen forty-two. Well, I forget when I started, but that was that's Space uh, and them helped me get back into music. Space and Larry Hanks. Well, nineteen. You told me about nineteen sixty-two, something like that. Yes, right, 1962. Yeah. Hmm. Rock Haven. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, Rock Haven, yeah. Wow. That's a, what an amazing career, because even after not playing for 20 years, he's he's been playing now for another 40-some. <laughs> uh, I hope that happens to me, because I quit for 20 years. Just got started again, so does that give me another 40 years? Yeah, yeah. So I'll why be 100 not? and something. Yeah, that's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. I'm 64 now. Yeah, turning 64 this well, month. 82. 82, is that right, Kenny? That's right. Amazing. 19, 19, 20, 22, 23. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, you guys, we are about uh, to the end of our time here, so I think I will say uh, thank you. We'll play a couple, couple more fiddle tunes on the way out the door here. And uh, but uh, take a few minutes, Kent. If you want to chat uh, a little bit more with Kenny, if you got anything you guys want to talk about, take your time now. We got a couple extra minutes, so. I just wanted to say howdy to all my old buddies there. The I guess the Bluesteins are still there, and the, uh, well, Gene Bluesteins dead. Uh, no, I know he's gone too. And Ellie's Ellie's still living. Yes, indeed. And all the good musicians. Uh, that Kenny has influenced. Give them all my love. Tell them how much I miss them. And I'll be back down there. And, all right. And, all right. And I have so much 
appreciation for Kenny and Marta. You can't believe it. I've thought about you so much over the years. We'll be looking for you. <laughs> Thanks for coming on and chatting with us. It's a, it's for history, you know. Yeah, and it really it, it really is. It's been an absolute pleasure and and an honor and a privilege uh, for uh, to be on not 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 only with uh, uh, with Kenny and Marta, but with Kent too. I mean, uh, everybody who listens to my show knows how much I appreciate uh, what Kent has done for me for me personally. I've learned a lot from him, and and he's learned a lot from Kenny, and it's wonderful to see. And 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 many many other people have as well. There's a huge cadre of uh, musicians and. Uh, and people out there who have been deeply influenced by Kenny. All you got to do is go out there on the web and put in his name, and you'll find all kinds of uh, things. Uh, so, yeah, I'm deeply appreciative of, of all of you. So thanks a whole lot. Thank you. Thank you. We just enjoy life. Exactly. Yes. And you know where we live. Come and see us. <laughs> all right. All right. All right, Kenny. Thanks, and thanks, Marta. Uh-huh. Our pleasure. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, Kent, you want to hold on there just for a second? Sure. All right, hang on just for a moment there, all right? We're going to put on a little bit more Kenny Hall here, and uh, we'll uh, talk with Kent just for a couple minutes before we before we have to sign off, all right? Okay, hang in there. Uh, this is Mike, and you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. A huge thank you to Kenny Hall and his lovely wife, Marta, uh, for spending a good chunk of their Monday night with us and uh, really... Uh, sharing some great uh, some great stories and some great uh, uh, some great conversation about music and life and nature and lots of other great stuff. So, all right, this is uh, called Beggar Man, Little Beggar Man, actually, and we'll come back in just a minute with Kent and uh, say goodbye to everybody. Beggar man, beggar, I have been born three. 
All right, there you have it. Kenny Hall and the Sweet Smell String Band. That was called Little Beggar Man. And this is Mike Hagen, and you're listening to Radio Orbit. And I got my good buddy Kent Stedman still sticking around with us. Kent, uh, Kent, that was just great having Kenny on the air. Oh, man, that's a wonderful documentation. Yeah. I'll tell you something, all you folks out there. You know, Mike and I get to talking about this and that, and it's all important and world events and so on. But, you know, he and I, I think, both know that what counts is getting down and being creative, mm. expressing yourself through art and music. And that's the real spice of life. That and love and affection is the real spice of life. And the kind of music you just heard, you know, it it, it ain't ever going to go away. I like all kinds of music, and I like all the different fads and changes in music, but that's a type of music that there are a whole lot of people deeply committed to preserving. And as things come and go, what you just heard, whether it's tuned into your your particular understanding of sound or not, you know, it's never going to go away. Yeah, and it's like anything... Uh uh, with me, it's been a, a learning experience growing to like that music, you know, Kent. I mean, I'm a rock and roller, you know, yeah. and and uh, I, I was never really even expo- exposed to the old-time traditional music until I ran into you some seven or eight years ago, and I've uh, slowly over that time really come to love it. I mean, I love this music now. Well, the great masters took that kind of music, and the rock and rollers, too, you know, mm-hmm. they take that, and the country people. It's the basis of a lot of different types of music, like Beethoven, Mozart. They they listen to that traditional music, which dates back centuries, really. Right, and with and roots that go to all kinds of different uh, cultures and different countries and backgrounds. That's where they derive their melodies and their themes and so on. So no matter how fancy things get, underlying it all is that music that comes from the woods and the mountains and the streams. And like Kenny said, you know, nature. Right. Yeah, it was perfect. It's the cricket singing. <laughs> yeah, with different uh, different keys and all this stuff that he's able to to discern and recognize. It's absolutely amazing. So, anyway. so good going, guys. All you people out in Missouri, I know you have a basis. In fact, Kenny, some of Kenny's people come from out there. Yeah, there's a, there, there's actually a very strong uh, community here of traditional musicians and music uh, appreciation. And it's interesting if you're a traditional musician, you can go off and go to another part of the country and you can find others like yourself. <laughs> so suddenly you're not just listening to music, you're playing music. Right. And as uh, as many of you are a great example, and, and Kenny, an obvious great example, now at, at 82 years of age... And still just tearing it up, you know. And I mean, you got to hear. Uh, I mean, obviously you've heard uh, some of his playing tonight, uh, but uh, he's just still absolute. Like Ken calls him the the maestro on that fiddle, and on, on many other instruments too. He's an encyclopedia of the music, and uh, you know you can play it, people. In the old days. Before I met Kenny, I played music uh, and I, because my family was musical. And that we'd get together on weekends and sit down and play music. I'm from the Rockies. We played maybe a slightly different 
type of music, not that much different. Right. <clears throat> but, uh, uh, and it's the music of the heart and the ear. It isn't stuff that's written down. It's kind of like book learning type of music. Mm, like an oral tradition sort of as well. Yeah, and the way you learn it, if you want to learn it, you listen. Mm. And better yet, you hang around somebody that has the tolerance to let you sit there and, right, right, right. and pick along. Right. <laughs> All right, Bardo. Well, I think that's uh, that's going to be about time to call it here. So, uh, so thank you as always. All right, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, everybody, this has been obviously Kent Stedman from CyberspaceOrbit.com. We didn't do our typical uh, rap tonight, did we, Kent? No. But uh, we'll talk about uh, some of that other stuff another time. And Kent is obviously always welcome on the program. And uh, Kent, thanks for everything, bud. Thank you. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, everybody, you can check out Kent at www.cyberspaceorbit.com, and you can always get there directly from MikeHagan.com. And uh, this is Mike. You've been listening to Radio Orbit. I'm going to turn things over to Jules here uh, in just a minute, and we'll finish things off with one more from Kenny Hall and the Sweets Mill String Band. This is called Golden Slippers. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll have uh, uh, some good old words from Terrence McKenna next week. On the ninth, along with a little, um, uh, I don't know, a little commentary by, by yours truly on the nature of culture. All right, talk to you then. This is Mike, and stick around for more good stuff on KOPN.